Well, good morning, everyone. You survived the snow. Yeah. My, uh, what a blessing. Yesterday, uh, my daughter had soccer practice in the morning, not in the snow. It was indoors. And we got uh, done with that, and I came home, and I saw this six inches of snow, and I knew I had to do the driveway, and I procrastinated. And I would not encourage you to procrastinate, but I think it guilted my neighbor enough that he came over with his snowblower, and, uh, you know, he blew the snow all out. And he's one of my uh, 111 people, one of the people that I pray for, uh, that he would come to Christ. And uh, so I, <laughs> I was like, well, God, until he comes to Christ, just help him to do my driveway every week. So thank you, God, for that. Um, well, hey, we're so glad that you're here this morning. And uh, I want you to meet a good friend of mine, uh, Shane Brooks. Shane's it's been a part of the uh, jar from the very early days. And uh, it's been cool to kind of watch him grow uh, in his faith. And um, if you would, he, he has laryngitis today, so if you could just all say, hi, Shane. Hi, Shane. Look, see, now you feel better, don't you? Hi. <laughs> he kind of sounds like a 14-year-old boy right now, That's you know, just with that voice. But um, Shane is uh, uh, going to be leading our financial peace uh, class that we're going to be offering on March 2nd. And I thought it would be really great uh, for some of you to hear what uh, God has kind of done in his life on his path towards financial freedom. And so uh, Shane's going to tell a little bit about his story of how God has uh, worked with him in that area of his life. Yeah, so uh, about three years ago or so, um, I was looking forward to my tax check, like probably many of you guys are right now. Um, I was looking at a lot of credit card debt, student loans, just medical bills, any any of the everyday debt that you know we all we all end up with, wondering how I was going to pay for it. And uh, a good friend of my wife and I gave us a book um, called The Total Money Makeover from Dave Ramsey. And I reluctantly sat down and I read it. And um, within a short period of time, I just I, I realized that I got it. You know that this guy had it and. Um, we began to, to kind of use those uh, those steps that Dave provides for us. And within a period of time, actually the first month of signing up for the course, we'd saved our first $1,000 emergency fund. And we'd paid, paid off $500 in debt. And, you know, that, that was a big step for my wife and I. Um, and since then, we've paid off about $30,000 in debt. And uh, we now have a, a healthy savings account, and uh, we look forward to the future where before we dreaded it. Yeah. So, um, and it was three and a half years, yeah. is that right, yeah. uh, that it took, but they kind of applied themselves to the principles and uh, worked at that. And uh, only a single income home, uh, Scotty uh, stays at home, and so uh, really did some uh, good work there. Um, and his story so amazing um, but this is the thing, folks. It could be your story. Like, it really could be. I, I love Shane and his family, but, like, he's not Bill Gates. You know what I mean? And um, he's just a person who took some principles, applied them, and said, I'm going to do it. And uh, he did, and we've seen this uh, huge impact in his family. Um, so I know you're teaching uh, the financial peace class. 
Can you share maybe a little bit more detail uh, about what's going on with that? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the class is called Financial Peace University, and uh, it's a nine-week course uh, based on the, the, the Dave Ramsey principles. Um, we're going to meet uh, from 6 to 7.30 p.m. on Monday nights. It's an hour and a half, and uh, I look forward to see you guys there. Okay, and I know there's a cost to this, and I know there's um, a time and place that they'll need to come and be a part of it, and uh, you educated me on something. Whether you're in debt or you just want to get better with your finances, uh, both of those are options. So can you talk just a little bit about place, time, and, and maybe some of these questions you could even have later today? Yeah, um, we're going to meet at the Family Practice Center here in Muncie, right across from the hospital. Um, the cost is $93, and that $93 buys your kit, and that comes with everything that you'll need um, to, you know, with the with the class. And I know firsthand what it's like to come up with that that $93 at first, but I, I can prom- promise you that um, th- this is life changing. It, it has for my family, and um, I just. <laughs> It's the best thing that we've ever done. My only regret is that, that we hadn't done it sooner. So yeah. I look forward to seeing you guys there. I'm going to have a table set up right back here under the basketball goal. If you guys have any questions, I'll um, be glad to help you, and, and I hope you guys sign up today. Okay. So you can sign up there, or you can go online to the JAR website, and you can sign up there as well. And I was thinking about it. You know how expensive Starbucks coffee is, right? So if you gave up two of them a week... For nine weeks, you got your course paid for, all right? Um, So I hope that many of you will. uh, In fact, I think it would be the smartest thing some of you could do, uh, and so I'd encourage you to do that. Uh, Let's give Shane a hand again uh, for sharing uh, a part of his story. Well, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll uh, jump right into uh, our uh, teaching today. Let's pray. Well, God, we uh, thank you so much for the way that you provide for each one of us. And I ask right now, God, that through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would come into this gym. That, God, we would hear from you. All of us come here, we, we really don't want to hear from the guy that's speaking right now, God. He, he hasn't deserved anything to, to even have people listen to. But I know that your Spirit wants to speak to people today. And so I ask God that you would come and you would whisper to us and that we would see change in our life, that we would look differently uh, at the end of this time than we are right now. Um, So come, Holy Spirit, um, move in this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I'm going to put a word up on the side screen. I'd like you to pronounce it. The word is? What? Okay, I think that this might be the most powerful word that any human being could learn. It's an easy word, and again, what is it? Enough. I kind of feel like uh, Mr. Rogers today or uh, Sesame Street. The word for today, children, is what? Enough. Exactly. So the next time that you go to the mall and you see one of those windows... Maybe it's a jewelry store or a clothing store or whatever, Bath and Body Works, you know. Uh, You see something and you really don't need it, but you want it. You know what you could say? Enough. 
I don't need that. I have enough. The next time that you're surfing on the Internet and uh, you get to eBay or Craigslist and you're like, oh, my goodness, I just couldn't live without this item. Or one of those little pop-up things that come in, 1999, you know, and you can have straight teeth. You seen this lately? Seriously? All right. Well, anyways. So um, when you see those things, you could just scroll on by and say, I don't need that because I have what? I have enough. Uh, Twenty years ago, my wife Jennifer and I uh, got married, and on our wedding day, my in-laws bought us a brand new mattress. We had never really had a mattress before, and so we were so excited. It was queen size, you know, uh, not full size, but queen. And, and so we were all excited about that. And uh, for, uh, you know, many years, we, we really enjoyed this mattress. And uh, we looked on the, um, some of you are thinking another thing right now, aren't you? <laughs> We, we enjoyed that, too. Two kids, I can tell you about. Um, like some of you were thinking it, I just said it. You know what I mean? So, my wife's going to kill me. Anyways, um, it, so industry standard for mattresses, say five to ten years, and then you should get a new one. And uh, so around the ten-year mark, my sister-in-law actually came to our house and she stayed uh, uh, in our uh, bedroom, and she uh, slept on the mattress that night. And we were gone, and we came back, and she said, you've got to get a new mattress. I was like, why? She's like, it's sinking in the middle. And I'm like, we like it that way. We call it the cuddle cave, you know what I mean? And that's our spot. And so I was like, forget that. We're just going to keep on going. So five more years pass, and the cuddle cave keeps going down. It just sinks more and more and more. And Jennifer's like, honey, and I was like, I got the idea. What we need to do is buy one of those mattress pads. You just put one of those mattress pads on, put that sucker on, and you're good to go. And so that's what we did. And every once in a while, I'd go by the mattress because springs were messed up. I mean, like the whole thing was messed up, and I'd be like... I think you can. I think you can. You know, like just keep on lasting. Well, three more years pass and um, our daughters, uh, we have daughters now and my parents will come and they'll watch our kids every once in a while. And uh, they would spend the night because I have to get up early on Sunday and they spent the night on our bed one time and they said, no, we're not going to ever do this again. That mattress is horrible. I was like, really? And I should have bought a mattress two years ago because you know what happened? I didn't, and now they've moved to Muncie, and we can't get rid of them. So, you know, now they've, like, moved here. And so two more years passed, and I was talking to my good friend Chuck, who led worship today. Didn't he do a great job? Yeah, he really did. And uh, all the band. And uh, I was telling him about my dilemma. He's like, dude, you don't have a dilemma? He said, buy your wife a new mattress. And I was like, well, I guess it is our 20th wedding anniversary. So, you know, you got to be practical about these things, right? I was like, honey, guess what I'm getting for you? She's like, what? I'm like, a new mattress. She's like, really? 20 years, my back's out of joint. Like we, you know, spend all this stuff on a chiropractor. I'm like, yeah. 
And so um, I said, but we've got to get the right one. We've got to invest, you know, and this is going to be an event. Anybody seen what the price of a mattress is lately? Huh? I mean, seriously. So we go ahead and we go to, uh, you know, this first store. And this guy comes up to us. And he's, I think he could tell they got a 20-year-old mattress. You know what I mean? He's like, oh, man, I got some for you. And he takes me to this mattress. And there's a video screen above the mattress. You know you're in trouble then, you know. And he starts showing this doctor-approved mattress. All women's groups in the world approve of this mattress, you know. And so we get there. Guess what it costs? $5,000. He told me, he said, yeah, it's $5,000. Like, no big deal. Hey, it's $5,000. And I was like, dude, does it fly? You know what I mean? Like, if I'm paying $5,000 for something, that thing better be like the magical mattress, like a magical carpet ride that flies places, you know? And uh, then he started kind of telling me uh, what it was all about. And I, I admit, man, this, golly, like, I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but this mattress is about as close as you're going to get. You lay down in this thing. And it had a remote control, and you pushed it, and it would lift your head up, you know. If you want to watch TV or something, you do that. It lifted the feet up. It had the firmness counter, like if you wanted your side firm, but, you know, the person that you're with, you don't, you do that. It even had heating and cooling in the bed. And finally, he said, then you'll really like this. And then he had this massage thing that started going down my back. I'm like, oh, my word, you know, if I could just die right here, I'm good, you know. And so he goes through all this stuff, and the mattress, like, started calling out to me, you need me, you need me, buy me, buy me, and your life will be filled with joy. Now, most of you know how cheap I am. So I was, like, that's our trustee right there. Um, So uh, I said, okay. Uh, no, we're not buying that one. So I go, I investigate some more, and I, we found this one that Jen kind of liked, and I said, uh, well, let's, let's look one more. And then that one, they actually give you a $100 rebate, like each year that you keep the mattress, up to 10 years. And she's like, well, I kind of like this one. I'm like, oh, no, honey, this is the one. Because I'm thinking in 20 years, dude, I'm going to have $1,000 for a mattress. You know what I mean? And I might be dead by then anyways. It won't matter. Um, but this was like the temptation that recently it came to us because of our 20-year-old mattress. You know why I'm saying this? Because some of you are sitting right now and you are buying into the lie that if you get the thing that has the bells and the whistles and it's appetizing and it's promising, that if you buy that thing, that it will take care of some of the deep needs in your life. And it's a lie. It's nothing but a lie. And for some of us, we just have this idea that things will quiet down in our lives if we just get more stuff. And if I get stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff and stuff, it'll make everything better in my life. In the New Testament, in the second half of the Bible... There's a guy by the name of uh, Paul who actually writes about this concept of 
being satisfied with what you have. In fact, he talks about that what you have really is, what's the word? Enough. And this is what he writes. Let's read this one out loud together. You don't do the Paul said. Let's read the other out loud together. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now that last sentence there, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, uh, is a verse that Christ followers quote all the time. The problem is they often take it out of context because this is not just talking about strength for anything. This is talking about having strength to be content, that I would have strength that comes from God so that I could be content with whatever provisionally I have. That I would be able to say that one word, enough. I have enough. And this leads us to kind of what the take-home message is today. If you don't get anything else, I hope you fill this out and you take this home with you. And here's the big idea I want you to get this morning. That God's provision for my life is enough. God's current provision right now, where I'm at, God's current provision for my life is enough. In fact, let's say this out loud together. God's current provision for my life is enough. When my wife uh, Jennifer and I first got married, uh, we did not have the word enough in our vocabulary. You know what we had in our mind? Spend, right? And then one day, I go to the mailbox, and I pull out this envelope, and it says, Chris Bunch, you have been pre-approved. Now, like, you are not special, folks. You're not. I'm special because I have been pre-approved. And so Jennifer and I got this. We're like, man, this thing's great. And so we get one and we get this little card in the mail. It's got your name on it, all of these numbers. And you're like, man, I am important. Look at that. Christopher J. Bunch. You know what I mean? That's me. And so uh, I take this thing out and Jennifer and I, because we didn't have that one word uh, in our mind. What's that word again? Enough, since I didn't have that word in my mind. We just started going, buying whatever, whenever. You know what I mean? Whatever, whenever uh, we could do. And we just went out. And you do that with one card. And like one card's not what? One card's not enough. So then Jennifer gets one. She's, you guys are like in royalty, your pastor and pastor's wife. We are pre-approved people, okay? And so she gets that too, and we're like, you got one? She's like, yeah. I was like, whatever, whenever. And so we did. We started going. And then all of a sudden, they send us a bill, and we get the bill, and 
they tell us we don't need to pay everything. Only the minimum what? Monthly payments, right? That's great. Minimum monthly payment. And so we start doing the minimum monthly payment. But the problem is if you start, you know, like doing more and more and you actually max one of those out, eventually that monthly payment gets kind of big. And the problem was this, folks. Our total combined income was $16,000. We had put more on those cards than what we even afford. And so it took us some time and we were like, what are we going to do? And I'll never forget the day that I couldn't pay the minimum monthly payment. And I remember I, I put my head down on the desk. I'm like, enough. Like, enough is enough. And we got our scissors out and we cut up both of those credit cards. And uh, we had to humble ourselves to ask a friend of ours who was an accountant who handled his money really well to come and to teach us how to budget our money. We had to show him everything that we had. And he set us up on a budget. We had a $10 a month pizza budget. Actually, that was entertainment. That was our entertainment. And we would go to Pizza King and we would eat a pizza and we would just like, eat real slow. Like they get ready to close the place down. We're like, we're not done yet. You know, we just like, just, and that was it. And it took some time, but eventually we just stayed committed to doing it. And within a year or so, we were able to actually get out of the debt that we were in. And, um, since then we've always paid off our credit cards. We, we never put anything on that that we can't ourselves pay off within that month. And since that time, I think the thing that I've learned is that I've learned to be content with God's provision. And God's provision has been at different points in my life. But this is what I think is so key, is that I think the reason he's increased our provision over time is because in that very first year, when we made very, very little, we learned at that point to be able to say, enough. Enough is enough. You know, it's very freeing to be able to look up to God and say, God, you know, your current provision for my life, it's enough. And I don't need a brand new car. I don't need a new house. I don't need a new iPad. Uh, I don't need a new iPod. My seven-year-old daughter wanted an iPod for uh, Christmas. I was like, no, you're seven. This has more technology than I had in 20 years of life, you know? And I don't need that. And I don't want my kids to have that need for the next thing. I can be content. I don't need 10 of those. Now, in light of all of this, what does contentment do, though? Because this is the thing. If contentment doesn't provide us with something, then why would we be content? What does contentment have the power to do? And this is what I found, that when you are content, that giving actually becomes a joyful thing. That when you're content, giving stuff away is filled with joy. Because when you're contented in life, the things don't control you because 
This is what you'll learn. You'll learn it in the class if you take it. Everything that we have, folks, everything that you have is from God. You didn't create it. None of that. It's all a gift from his generous hand. And it comes into our hands. And then what I think he desires us to do is then to be generous with others. And when you're content, you're able to do that freely. Because contentment and the desire to give are bound together. They're connected to each other. And people then can say, hey, I have enough. Let's look at this next passage of scripture. It'll come up on the side screen. But just as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. And I read that passage this week, that last phrase, you might want to circle it, excel in the grace of giving. And I started asking myself, I really want to, I started wondering, I wondered if, do I excel, like Chris Funch, do I excel in the grace of giving? And then I kind of brought it down to a question of, why do I give? Like, why do I take resources, money, why do I take those, and why do I give to the causes of God? Why do I give to anyone or anybody at any time? So as I was thinking about this, I came down, and this is just my list. Yours might be different. I hope you reflect on it. But I started thinking about seven reasons of why I give. And the first one that I'm going to share with you may sound a little self-centered. It might be a little bit narcissistic. But this is it. I like how I feel when I give. I just do. I, I like how I feel when I give. Uh, any of you uh, ever bought one of those uh, little discount cards from kids? Like, you know, you, you buy it and then you're supposed to get all these discounts. I'm the biggest sucker in the world. I think they look at me and they just see sucker. I have like 10 of them in my wallet. I'm not kidding. I, uh, Delta, Yorktown, Muncie Central. This week, in fact, a little guy from our church uh, came up to me and he said, Hey, I've got a discount card for you sucker, you know, and I'm like, okay. And he says it costs five bucks. I'm like, cool. I'm in. He's like, no, no, let me tell you what you're going to get. And so he starts reading like all the stuff. You'll get $5 off at Mars and you'll get 15% off this. And he's going, and he's going, he's keep talking, talking. I'm like, okay, I get it, dude. I'm in $5 here. No, 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 no. Pastor Chris, let me tell you some more. And then he just keeps on going down the list. And I mean, this is going on forever. And uh, he was actually at our house, and I go downstairs, and he's behind me, and he's just walking all the way down the stairs. I'm like, it's good. I got it. Here's $5, you know. And uh, I just, I don't know about you, I I feel better. I I like myself better. That's the kind of guy I want to be. When little kids come to me, and whether it's a lemonade stand or a discount card, that I just give generously and freely because that's who I want to be. I, I, just, I just don't like takers. I, I never have. I, I don't like takers. And, and I, want to, I want to be a giver. Last Saturday was uh, Valentine's Day. And uh, my wife had to work. And so we weren't able to do anything on Valentine's Day. But our um, mission team uh, got together. And they 
put together with a lot of volunteers uh, in uh, the jar a Valentine's Day dinner dance. And so they put this dance together, and they needed some help. And I said, oh, I'll help. There's like, you don't have to cook. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you don't want me to cook. And so I was just the spaghetti person that put the spaghetti on the, uh, the plate and passed it on down. And so we did this, and it was a really fun evening. It was really cool to watch people. And at the end of it, uh, on Monday, uh, the guy who oversees our missions team, he called me and said, hey, this is how much money we made. And there was just like, like a piece of me that was like, man, we can do better than that. You know, like I kind of had a goal in my mind, and I was like, ah, we can do better than that. So I go to Jennifer and I said, hey, Jen, uh, we, we can't help everyone that's going to Jamaica, but we could help maybe a couple people with a little bit of what they're having. And uh, this is kind of what they made. And I, I think this is what the goal should be. And she's like, yeah, let's do it. And so I went and I wrote that check and, and we gave it to them. And, you know, when I wrote that check, I just thought I, I like myself better when I'm a giver. I do. I, I just... I like myself better that way. John 3.16, maybe the most memorized scripture verse in the Bible, says, um, what's it say? Some of you are like, I don't know. Okay. For God so loved the world that he what? He what? He gave. He gave his one and only son. And it's just at the heart of God to be a giver. That's the heart of who he is. And when I'm connected to his heart, this is what happens to my heart. My heart begins to be there and then it expands and it expands and it grows more and it expands more. And I have a more generous heart because I'm connected to the God who really is a giver. Like I said before, folks, I, I've just never liked takers that well. I, I, and I don't want to be one. And so... I like myself better when I give. Here's the next one. Uh, why do I give? The next reason uh, is because the one I have surrendered my life to asked me to give. The one I've given my life to, God actually asked me to give. Look at the words of Jesus in Luke 6. He says this. Give. I love that. Jesus is just like straight up. He's just like, Hey, I want you to be a giver. And so then he says, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Look at the next text. It's when the church first starts. Jesus has died. He's risen again. He goes to heaven. The church starts. And in Acts 2, it says, all the believers. So this fired up group of people. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as they had need. In the early church, if you were part of that church, it was just like a criteria that you would give. And that no one in the church would ever have to go with chronic need. They'd never have to have this chronic need. Because the rest of the people in the church would say, we'll, we'll give. And that's one of the reasons why I love uh, one of the newest kind of ministries we've been doing called Operation Shop. And um, Operation Shop is basically where people who have a little more give a little. 
And then it helps people in our church and outside our church who uh, need a little bit more. And all of us have been there. I've been there before where I've been on one end or the other. And uh, I love that, that people are able to do this. And if you're ever interested, you can go to the resource table and say, hey, I want to help with that or I need some help. And we'll do that for you. One other verse that I want us to look at. This deals with the percentage of what we are called to give. It's called the tithe, which means 10%. And uh, 10% of our earnings that we give to the things of God. Now, some people are like, 10%? And then I always like to think this. God gives you 90. Like you get 90%. Do whatever you want. Okay, this is the verse. It says, bring your full tithe to the temple treasury so there will be ample provisions in my temple. Test me. This is God speaking. It's the only place in all of Scripture where God ever says to test him. And isn't it ironic? It deals with our money. Test me in this and see if I don't open up heaven itself to you and pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. For my part, I will defend you against marauders, protect your wheat fields and vegetable gardens against plunderers. Scripture is very clear that this is kind of the basic level. And it's the level that we encourage everyone at the jar to either be at or to uh, work toward. Uh, You've heard my story before. Because we were in so much debt, uh, even though I was a pastor initially, we started off with just giving 5% to the church. And we said, God, as you provide, we'll increase it by 1% until we get to the tithe. And we were able to do that. And this is like the basic level that Scripture encourages us to look at. Folks, one of the main reasons why I give is because I have surrendered my life to Christ and He asked me to do it. And I want to obey God in what He asked me to do. A third reason why I give, uh, will come up on the side screen here, is I made a covenant with God in our church to give regularly when I became a partner or a member here at the jar. I dug out my uh, old partner covenant uh, that I signed 10 years ago. There's a big old pizza stain on it. Um, But I have this little box. uh, I I think everyone has like a box. You keep all kinds of stuff that's important to you. And and that's one of the things that I keep in that box. And uh, when Jennifer and I first became partners uh, several years ago, we just kind of made a commitment before God and the leaders of the jar, and actually to every single one of you, that we were going to fulfill the call to take the first 10% of whatever God provided us, and we would give it uh, to this place called the jar. And we want you to know that as the Bunch family, that we take vows very seriously. And if you're ever in the hallway and you see us, or you see us out at Walmart and we're walking around, or you see us at a restaurant, you can just know that we keep that vow. And many times we go beyond that, um, depending on how God provides for us. I mean, I don't know about you, but like for me, when I look at scriptures that talk about that, they're, they're important to me. And, and I just want to meet my vows. If I make them, I want to keep them. Well, we made a vow all those years ago that that's what we would do. And we've kept that vow. 
and beyond. And when we make vows, folks, we want to keep them. So that's another reason why I give. Uh, The next reason why I give is I want to position myself for God's full blessing and protection. I want to position myself for God's full blessing and protection. Now, we need to be careful with this because sometimes, uh, unfortunately, Christ followers sometimes get really weird about this. Maybe you see it on television at night. If you send us a dollar, God will bless you with two dollars, you know, and they take advantage of people and. And God might bless you with $2, might bless you with $2,000. He might bless you with nothing except a loving, kind family. But sometimes it can get weird. So the real idea of this is, is not that I get more because I give it to God, but that I receive his blessing of protection over my life. And this image came to me this, this uh, week that I give because I want this umbrella of protection. That I need to be protected and I want that for my family. I want that for me. I'll come up here. And I want that for my wife Jennifer. And I want it for our daughter Jordan and Shiloh. That I want God's protection over us. And the reason I want that is because there's a lot of bad stuff that comes down at us in life. There are lightning bolts and storms and things, bad stuff just happens. And God says, if you honor me with your giving, I will honor you with a measure of protection and safety and security for your family. And I never understand this, but sometimes when people are going through economic struggles or the economy is kind of, you know, wigged out a little bit, people will come up and they'll say, hey, dude, I'm bailing on God. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? When, when life is tough, when things are going, I want to huddle my family together and I want to be as close to that protection of God as I possibly can. So that when things are coming down because of the, the fact that I've honored him with my giving, that he gives me this level of protection and safety for me and my family. And I want his full protection upon us. Now this is what's interesting. Almost every single time in Scripture in which God talks about protection, He actually says that if you give a certain thing, I'll provide a promise for you. That if you honor me in this way, I'll promise to do something for you. Now let's go back and we'll look earlier. Jesus said, give, and I will give it right back to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, will be poured into your lap. For the measure that you give is the measure... That you receive. Let's look at that passage again in Malachi. God says if you bring the full tithe in, or if you're working towards it, wherever you're at, that you bring it in to the temple treasury, there will be ample provisions in my temple. Test me, he says, and see if this doesn't happen. I will open up heaven and I will pour out blessings beyond your wildest dreams. For my part, I will defend you against marauders. And look at that next phrase. He says, I'll protect you. That's what he says. I'll actually a protection policy. And this is what I've learned, folks. I am not smart enough. (laughs) And I am not fast enough. And I am not swift enough at foot to stay away from all of the things that can happen in life. When bad stuff starts coming down to me, 
I want to be humble enough to say, God, I'll keep honoring you because I know you'll send protection for me and my family. Next, I give because I love the vision of our church. I love the vision of the jar. Now, I've been in many churches because I was a PK, preacher's kid, and there are many churches, folks, that honestly, they're visionless churches. They just don't have a vision. They don't know where they're going. They're not telling anybody what's going on. And even in those churches that I was a part of, the whole point of giving financially to a church is not about whether or not they have vision or not vision, but it's because you're wanting to be obedient to God. And so I would continue to give uh, financially because I wanted to be obedient to him. But then when we started the jar and we started seeing life change, the reason that I, I really love to give to this place is because I get to see the vision grow in people's lives change. It's so easy for me to give when I know we had 37 people that were baptized last year. And next week I'll be teaching a baptism class. And I hope some of you that weren't baptized that you will. Maybe God's telling you that today. Hey, Take that next step. You need to get baptized. But when I see those lives change, I'm like, I'll give to that. Or the, you know, outreach that we have at the Muncie Mall and we pass out cookies to all the employees. And then every once in a while, I'll see one of those employees here in church. And they're here and they got a cookie. I'm like, man, I'll buy as many cookies as I can for people to come to Christ. Or, you know, when we do things like Operation Shopping, and people were feeding people who have needs, and people are growing in small groups. I mean, I'll give to that. And so when I get my tie check out and I write it and I put it in the little bag, I'm like, yes, I'm giving to something that's bigger than me because it's what God's doing in this world. Next reason I give. I give because I want to be an example to my kids. I want to be an example to my kids. I'll try not to choke up on this part. I didn't last the first celebration, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, I love my two girls. Uh, They capture my heart uh, almost every single uh, day. Uh, I was telling some friends of ours, we went to go see Peter Pan at the Civic Theater last night. And when Captain Hook came out, they both stood up. And if you know the story, the crocodile cuts off the, the wrist. And they both stood up and they're going, chomp, chomp, chomp. I'm like, sit down, kids, you know. And, uh, but uh, I love our girls. I'd do anything for them. And I have a mom and dad who throughout their entire life, they've been generous people. I, I can remember we had a garden, a, a huge garden. And uh, that's really where we got a lot of our food growing up as a kid because they've never been wealthy people whatsoever. Um, and so we would, we would get this stuff out of the garden and uh, we used it for our own family. But I can remember people coming to our house at times. And uh, I can remember my dad one time saying, because uh, someone was in need, and he said, anything in the garden that you need, just go. And, you know, I was young at that time, and I was like, dude, they're taking our stuff, you know? Like, that's ours, you know? And he would just let them go. And I can remember my mom uh, canning all kinds of uh, different uh, vegetables and fruits and 
and winter would come and people would need something and she'd go out in our garage and she'd just take these canning jars and she'd say, here, just, just, just take it. And uh, my dad, he's like me, he's a sucker too for little kids and like any little kid uh, who wanted to sell something, they'd go to him and he wouldn't even have stuff and he'd, he'd just give it away. And uh, my parents are, are just two of the most generous people uh, that I know. And uh, I can remember my wife, Jennifer, and I, we, we'd recently got married, and we went to their house, and uh, there was like this dove or, or some kind of um, figurine that was on, and, and Jennifer went up and said, man, I really like that. That's great. And I remember my mom just picked it up and <laughs> gave it to her and said, it's yours. And uh, I, I, it's not the first time my mom's ever done that. I, re- I remember paintings and different things, things that she worked hard at, and people would like something, and they'd admire it, and she'd just say, well, go ahead, just, just take it. Now, they've moved to Muncie now, and some of you are going to take advantage of those two old people, aren't you? <laughs> I know how you are. You're going to, like, show up to their house. Hey, we need something, you know. You're taking my inheritance, people. But, you know, looking back on it now, I just love the family that I was in because they were generous parents. And and I want to pass that on to my girls. I I really want them to be generous. You know, I was telling you about the little Boy Scout that had the card for $5. Uh, They're at our house. He's got a few more cards. My oldest daughter, Jordan, goes up into her little piggy bank. She pulls out $5. She comes back down. And she gives it. Now she's not going to go shop at Marsh. What's that kid thinking, you know? But I, but I love the fact that she wants to be generous uh, that way. And I was thinking about it this week. You know, one day I'm not going to be here. That, and my two girls will um, they'll plan a funeral for me. And they'll have to eulogize me. And they'll be like, Dad was screwed up in a lot of different ways. Remember that one time he talked about him and Mom and the mattress? And, you know, it just like... Just not good whatsoever. And it'll be like this and this and this. But I really do. I, I really at the heart of who I am. I pray that in the midst of that, they'll be able to say, but you know what? Dad was always generous. He was, he was a generous, generous man. Um, and I want that to, I was thinking about, I want my legacy to be that way. My grandkids, my great-grandkids, my Great grandkids, you know, however far it goes, I, I want it to be people who are generous people to others. Final thing, I give because I want to hear God say to me, well done. Well done, Chris. Not just well done because you stayed in your marriage for your whole life. Not well done just because you worked hard at the church. But well done because the resources that I gave to you, you didn't go out and just spend it on yourself. You didn't get in a whole lot of debt. You lived within your means, and you provided generosity to other people. You know, I was thinking about this week that I don't know why you give. You'll have to think about that this week. Uh, I think it's worth reflecting on. But why you give or why you don't give, you know, it really is a sacred thing uh, between you and God. But I was thinking about this week that in many ways... um, each of us, uh, our life represents this bucket. That's my life. 
And when my life is filled up with things like God and Bible and prayer and promptings and God's will, like when my bucket is filled up, it's so easy for me to give. It's like I get to that 10% thing and I'm like, that's child's play. That's no big deal, God. I'm filled up with you. I want to be generous in whatever way you call me to. And I don't need to be suckered in to buying 10 more things or getting something else. But when I'm filled up with God, I, I, I'm more generous. It flows out of me. And I've also noticed in my own life when, when my life has an empty bucket, when God's not a part of it, I'm not spending time with him in prayer, I'm not uh, reading scripture, I'm not uh, engaging with other people to love them, I, I'm just not as generous. And it junks up my life. It really does. And when that happens, I have to think, whose responsibility is it to fill up my bucket? Whose responsibility is it? My responsibility. Now, whose responsibility is it for you to fill up your bucket? It's, it's like your responsibility. Because spiritual maturity and generosity, they go hand in hand. Uh, last thing, just by a show of hands. How, how many of you pay your bills online or you do it automatically? If you just raise your hand real quick, okay. That's several of you. How many of you still do it the old-fashioned way? You write checks. Anybody? Okay. Several of us do that too. How many of you just gave up on paying bills altogether? <laughs> All right. You know, there's, there's a few people. Just forget it. You know, we're going to try our best without doing that. Um, well, here's a picture that kind of came to me this week. I have a feeling that every single one of you, whether it's through a bank statement or you write out the checks, there's some time within the month that you get together and you look to see what bills are that you're going to pay. You bring them all together. And some of you do it automatically. And uh, as a church, one of the things that we've uh, just started in the last couple of years, we have an automatic withdrawal. There's a form, actually, that's in your program. And uh, for some of you, that's like that's the way I pay. I'd, I'd like to be generous. I'd like to give to the church, but I forget the checkbook. I don't get here. It just all gets out of whack, but you could do it online automatically, whether it's once a week, twice a week. You can pick the days, the amount. You can change it. You just mail it in. It's in your program right now, that form, and you can do it. And for some of you, that'd be a great way. Others of you, you write your checkout, but I have a feeling that all of us kind of at some point during the month, we sit down, we have all these things, and we have to write out something first. We have to pay a first bill. We have to write out a check, the first thing that we're going to do. And what I found is that people who are filled up with God and they love God with their whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they're willing to give and to seek uh, God in great ways, that the very first thing they write out is to God because of everything that he's done for them. And it becomes natural, this kind of giving. And this is what I was thinking, that when you do that, there's no fanfare. There's like no camera, you know, taking your picture. There's no Christian standing around there, Woo, man, you gave financially, Woo, You know, that's just between you and God. There's, there's nothing there. But I started thinking about the fact, what if every single one of us in the jar, let's say the jar was a bucket. What if everyone in the jar just started giving generously because we were filled with God? Like God was so filled up in us that we 
just were filled to the max. And within time, as it would begin to start flowing out of us, that it would actually start filling some other smaller buckets, like Morningstar Breadbasket, which I hope some of you will sign up for. Um, if we were able to fulfill everything here, then we could give more to that area. Or the mission trip to Jamaica, or our mission in Kenya. Like, we could start filling some other buckets in greater, greater ways. The outreaches to the mall and Southview Elementary School that we have a partnership with. 95% of those kids are on free or reduced lunch right now. And so what if we, like, filled everything up and it started going into those other buckets? What could we do? You know, it'd be a beautiful thing to see, though, if all of us, not because we're twisting arms, but because it's just God's way, and God's way is a better way to do things. And so at this time, I'm going to invite our uh, greeters to come forward, and we have an opportunity now, because it really is worship, to honor God with our provisions. And you can put your little connect card uh, in there as well. But this is a time for you to be like, ah, oh, God, you, you blessed me so much. I want to be able to, to give something back to you. I want to give provision back to you. And um, why don't we pray? And uh, then uh, the band's going to lead us in an opportunity that we can just praise God for how great he is and how he blesses us in this area of finances. Let's pray. God, we uh, thank you for the gifts that uh, are going to be received today. And if people are brand new today and they're like, I don't even know what, man, I picked the money one, seriously? Like, that's the one I picked? Um, I pray that they just pass it on by because that's not what we're about. But what we're really about, God, is seeing lives changed. And we can give resources to be able to see more lives changed. And so, God, would you uh, bless this offering, allow it to be used for your honor and glory so that your great name would be lifted up. We pray this in Jesus' name.